close enough you can actually hear me singing in the crowd i swear play it back i'm there i'm in that crowd so is my brother he's in that crowd that's the live rendition of pearl gems better man from a 2016 show at wrigley field one of the legit highlights of my life i've seen pearl jam many many times at many different venues Small 250 person places, huge places like Soldier Field and the UC and the old Chicago Stadium, but nothing, nothing compares to seeing my favorite band in the most beautiful baseball park on earth. I will not debate that. Wrigley Field is perfect, although I still go back and forth on the new renovations, but that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Pearl Jam and the song Better Man and how great it is alive. You know, they've been playing that song for decades. I mean, thousands and thousands of times they've played that song. And just that band never mails a single song in. They're never playing just to play it. They, they're so great live. And I, I just... I love them so much. And and Better Man is a perfect example of that. I've heard so many different versions of that song, seeing them live, and they're all great. This version was about five minutes long. The ending is like the energy that that they bring to this song when they when it picks up and, and they and they take off with it um, is just the best. The the night before, because they played back to back nights uh, in twenty sixteen. The night before, that song was about 10 minutes long, and, and they, they blended it into another song, like a cover, um, and, and Federer spoke during the song and, and what it was about, and he called someone out in the, in the crowd, and it was just, it's just such, I mean, Pearl Jam has become this, this experience live, and they always really have. I mean, I remember seeing them when I saw them at Soldier Field in 1995, um, and I've talked about this before, it was, it was about two or three weeks before I was going to head out uh, to boot camp in the Air Force. And it was one of, it was the last live show that I would see before I went. And they were playing on the Grateful Dead stage because the Grateful Dead had played the night before. And they just played for, I don't know, four hours. They played forever. And it was that moment where like, this is my band. These guys are different and I love them. And th- that was the end of it. That was the end of it. I already really liked him, and I'd seen him a bunch before that. Um, but that one was, that was the game changer for me. Anyways, you know, that's only, this is show number 30. Episode number 30. By the way, welcome to Golf Origin Stories. My name's Chris, big Pearl Jam guy, if you haven't guessed already. 
And even though I'm a huge Pearl Jam guy, that's only the third Pearl Jam song I've opened this podcast with. So I feel like I've really, I've, I've been disciplined in not overwhelming everyone with all of my Pearl Jam nerdery and adoration. So you're welcome for that, for those that have listened to all 30. But yeah, that's only, that's only the third one. First out, first song off of Vitology, which is where this song originated. Little fun facts about Better Man. Um, Pearl Jam did not want it on the record. They didn't think it fit. They thought it was too poppy. They actually wanted to donate it to a, a like a album, a compilation album to raise money for a charity. And the record label said, uh-uh, that's going on the record that people are going to buy because that's a moneymaker. That's a great song. And they were right. But Pearl Jam really didn't. They wanted it on like a B-side or a charity record or whatever. Um, the other fun thing about Better Man is that Eddie Vedder wrote that song laying on his bed when he was 16 years old. And I had always thought that that song was about a woman who had given up, who kind of, she, she knew that this wasn't working, but, you know, can't, she can't find a better man, you know, so she's just going to live this life. Um, and it's kind of this depressing thing. But, but Vetter, in fact, in 2016, during Better Man, he talks about this is, a, this is not a song about a victim. This is a song about empowerment. And in fact, this woman is saying, I've had enough. I'm not going to do this anymore. And, and she is going to, to return to her previous greatness. If you listen to the lyrics, it talks about um, just that, that, that she really isn't going to do this anymore and that she's better than this. And so she's going to make it better um, by going on and living the life she's supposed to live. So it's actually this song about empowerment and redemption and, and, and realizing that there's more to life than this relationship that is unhappy. So there you go. Now, the reason I play Pearl Jam isn't just because I want to play Pearl Jam, although, you know, I do just want to play Pearl Jam, but my guest, Sean Crew, is a Seattle resident. She is the host, along with her partner, Jim Moore, her co-host, Jim Moore, of the Northwest Golf Show in on ESPN Radio, 710 AM in Seattle. And we talk about that radio show and how she got involved in it and kind of the origins of that. We talk some Seattle sports because she's a huge sports fan, as I am as well. And we talk about the new hockey team that Seattle's getting, which is very exciting. Speaking of which, I'm so grateful that sports are back. We've got baseball. I'm, I'm recording this intro at uh, 9.30 at night because I'm waiting for the Blackhawks for the puck to drop against Edmonton in their second game. So, and of course, you know, it's PGA Championship week. I mean, come on. We're, I'm, I'm, we're spoiled with sports now, and it's so great because I've so, missed it so much. Anyways, Sean and I also talk about um, an organization she's involved with called Pets for Patriots, which is super cool. And um, talk a little bit about Seattle because I love Seattle. And then we get into when she fell in love with golf, how she fell in love with golf, and why she loves golf. And it's a really fun conversation I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to Sean Crew. Okay, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, So that's a pretty interesting 
name you've got there. Is there a is there an origin story for for that? Are, are, <laughs> no, how did, no, it's not. They just just the parents decided to 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 name they just, you Sean. To, yeah, and to torture me. Yeah, Sean. They wanted to just torture me for for many years. So <laughs> don't give me any don't give me an easy spelling and um, make it something that. Uh, that's uh, unusual enough that people may or may not pronounce it right. So, no. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I'm already guilty of that. So it's Sean. It's That's like right. A W N. Okay, kind of. Yeah, right. I can I can relate to that as a with as a Chris with a K. That's basically how I pronounce my name now. <laughs> I have to right. say Chris with a K, and, um, and people still ignore me, which is fine. Whatever, it's, it's okay. But um, so, how's my favorite American city not named Chicago? How's Seattle these days? It's good. You would be happy to know, you know, the weather here, this is what we live for, right? In Seattle, mm-hmm. we've got four really good months that are perfect golf weather. It's gorgeous out. So blue skies, uh, it should be about oh. 79, 80 degrees today. So it's Man. it's beautiful. Yeah, that's nice. I do. I love that town so much. Although I have to admit, Seattle didn't exist to me until like 1991. Okay. When, when, the, when the grunge era really hit. <laughs> And uh, so my favorite band is Pearl Jam and they obviously came out of Seattle and then it was like, and from that point on, um, I also spent quite a bit of time in a previous job traveling in the Pacific Northwest and I just love Seattle. So I love everything about it. I love its vibe and its culture and its buildings and I just, it's great. Love the place. Well, I have to add, so one of my favorite concerts of all time, I saw Pearl Jam in a venue here called The Showbox. And it was yeah. a private show, about 250 people. Oh, uh, I think it was 95. So, no, I, I, I hear you on that. 90s here, I mean, back, especially when we had Sonics here. Uh, oh. 90s in Seattle, that was a good decade for us. For sure. Yeah, that really was, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. and I'm, I'm with you. I, they, they need to bring back the, the Sonics, man. The NBA, <laughs> it's not right. It's just not right without the Sonics. Well, and how it all went down. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's not right. I don't think we ever really thought that that was going to happen. You know, it's one of those things too. I think once it, once it was gone and once once it actually happened, I think a lot of people, I think we're still in shock about it. But yeah, no, we definitely need, we're, we're absolutely a sports town and, and basketball, it, you know, not being present here on the men's side, you know, we have the Storm mm-hmm. and they're sure. a fantastic team, but it's just, it, it feels like we're, we're missing something for sure. So yeah. But you're getting a hockey team. We are getting a hockey team. <laughs> That's pretty excited. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, and in the old Sonics venue too is where they're going to be playing. So that'll be uh, oh, nice. That'll be nice. Yeah. So now we're we're looking forward to. It. I mean, we're like I said, we're a good sports town. So um, not that there's a lot of sports happening right now, but uh, yeah, That's um, true. But the golf is alive. So. That's right. So you're the you're the host of the North Northwest Golf Show on ESPN Radio, right? Every Saturday. Every Saturday yep. morning? Saturday mornings, yep. Nine so years. so how did you find your I have a, actually a couple before we get to that, I wanna okay. I wanna I wanna ask you about you're you are the director, right, of Pets for Patriots. Is so right? I actually I serve on the board of directors. Technically okay. my title is director for that. So it is something I do. I have a huge love for dogs and the uh and this uh, nonprofit that I'm uh, serve on the board for, they do this wonderful thing of bringing together hard to place 
dogs or pets. So usually typically more senior or even kind of breeds that may be a little more difficult, like pit bulls, that sort of sure. thing um, with vets who typically are in you know need of companionship. So it's like this perfect world of bringing two just amazing audiences together. And, and uh, I've been a part of with, uh, been with them since the beginning of the year. So it's been really good. That's really great. Yeah, that's super cool. And I can tell you from experience as far as my my parents um, who live in Arizona are are huge advocates of pit bulls. They've that's the only dog that they've really ever owned, um, and they are just the sweetest. They have this reputation that is just so undeserving to me. Right. Because every right. single one of those dogs I've met have just been absolutely just the sweetest. Most they're just big, huge babies constantly. Yeah, they're, they're great dogs. No, they are, and we have we have two dogs, and uh, one's a Shiba Inu, and then the other is a a pit blue healer mix. And uh, my Shiba, while he's he looks cute and and like a little stuffed animal, he's yeah. probably more <laughs> more right. the jerk between the two yeah. of them. Right. And our pit bull mix, she's such a sweetheart. So I mean, if you know, she loves to love. If you're sitting, if she's sitting on your lap, you're too far away. You know, it's just right. Great. She's great. Right. So. And is the Pets for Patriots specific to the the Seattle area or is it something that's kind of, uh, you know, bigger than that? No, they're bigger than that. So based out of New York and uh, nationwide. And uh, no, so they serve, uh, partner with a number of different uh, animal shelters around the country, also working with a lot of, um, because one of the things that happens is not only helping connect vets and being able to make the cost of adoption more affordable, but it's also just that care of being able to make sure your animal can get to the vet, getting food mm. it needs. So, um, so there's a little more that happens with it, but um, but the partnerships with various um, veterinary clinics around the country. So it's it's pretty big. And uh, and and Beth, who is the founder, I mean, she's just done some amazing work. So um, I'm really proud to be a part of it. I, I actually I'm just I'm honored that that they ended up selecting me to to be a part of what they do. And it, it, it's just a lot of fun. So it is. That's super cool. And the you kind of get the the joy of kind of playing. You get to play like matchmaker a little bit. And seeing like how happy these dogs make, you know, our vets, you know, like that's so cool. Yeah, it's yeah, going to be so rewarding. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, if you've had animals as well, you know this, I mean, it's, um, you know, they, they're, they're like part of your family and, and the amount of love you get um, from them. And, you know, I just, I think it ends up being this amazing win-win and, um, you know, I, uh, like I said, I just, I couldn't be more proud to be affiliated. So. For sure. Yeah. Well, I have, I have a dog. I have a little, um, 17 pound Shih Tzu that was, uh, a gift from my children. I did not want a dog, but, um, (laughs) and that was, that was 14 years ago. And I can't imagine life without that little guy. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. He's just the best. He's just the best. Um, okay. So let's talk about the, the radio show. So how did you find yourself? How did you get, how long you've been doing it? Who, you know, I know you, you, your partner, your co-host with it. So how did you find yourself on this, uh, on this golf show on the radio? Well, so it's interesting. Um, I've, we've been at this now for about eight years and okay. I actually, um, I knew I always wanted to be a sports journalist. I actually got my degree in journalism. And interestingly enough, I, uh, graduated not realizing how much money sports journalists don't make or uh, journalists, period. Right, right. <laughs> small thing to figure out after you just spent six figures on your college education um <laughs> so i actually took kind of a, a little more of an indirect track uh getting started in sports media um but i what i wanted to do once i knew that i was going to have kind of a an opportunity to 
really focus on the space uh, about eight years ago, I actually was ready to to get into golf media and realized that when I was looking for a golf media job in Seattle, that what I wanted didn't really exist. So I had um, initially come up with a concept for a TV show. And interestingly enough, working on putting that together, putting together a pilot essentially for a show wow. and all of the different things that I didn't realize I was going to have to take on, you know, because uh, it's always a great idea on paper. And then once you actually have to execute it, uh, but the idea of, you know, just had, filming it and uh, script writing and, and in the case of the pilot of extras and all of the, 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 the production value and all of that stuff that had to happen. And then I still had to go find a home, had to find a network for it. Right. 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 But by the time I went to film this pilot, I was so exhausted when it got to the role that I wanted, which was hosting. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the lesson there and, and what ended up happening is I didn't end up really doing anything with that. The timing I don't think worked for, where our, you know, the market was and that sort of thing. But within a couple of years of that, um, not even two years later, one of the guys that I had brought in to be a part of that actually start, had lost his job writing for one of the sports papers here, the newspapers here. Okay. And uh, he started filling in at what was a new ESPN station here in Seattle. And he, uh, he and I ended up talking one day and he said, you know, I think they want to bring in a golf show. What if we, you know, what if you did, we took the idea of what you were going to do for TV and made that work for radio. And I was like, done, let's do it. So, yeah. so that's how it came together. And I had the brand behind me and I could just focus on hosting and not have to worry about production value and all of the extras that, uh, that the other gig kind of taught me. So while it didn't work out for TV, it ended up being a really good fit for radio. Yeah. Were there, how, how big was the learning curve for on the radio side? I mean, There's a lot to it as well. I mean, just other than, you know, just popping a mic on and going, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you, I mean, what you realize, and I think a lot of people appreciate it more now, especially with podcasts and how those have evolved in the last, you know, few years, even it's with having a visual with, with TV or, or having a camera in front of you, you get a lot of wiggle room with not having to say as much when you can visually show people what you need when it's radio you really are needing to use your voice to to get your point across. And so it's, you know, I, I remember our first show, I was probably giving a little more of those one word answers that I should <laughs> like, that's not going to work. Um, so, uh, you know, I also think too, just, it, I don't even think it was as much about radio being different. It's also that when you bring a co-host together and, and Jim, my co-host and I, I think we do a really good job um, in just being a good fit and a match, but that's half the battle right there is that you sure. have to have good chemistry. You have to know how to feed off of each other. I know his dream initially for the show was like beverage cart girls and beer. Mm. And so, you know, it's like, okay, well we could do that. And we definitely both wanted to make sure that it wasn't stuffy and it wasn't just kind of this, boring, you know, sleepy golf talk conversation. So we knew we wanted to bring an edge to it. We knew we wanted some humor, but I will say for radio and when you're on a major network, I mean, we're in the 13th largest radio market in the country. One of the challenges you have in radio is that you don't want people changing the station. You want them sitting on the station. And so you will get people that don't like golf uh, for that time frame that you're on air. And, and really for us, the balance was how do we make, how do we put together something that's going to satisfy the golfer and they're going to get enough information they need to make it worthy of their time 
without completely turning off someone who doesn't like golf. And I think we've actually figured out a good way to uh, make those two worlds come together. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. That is tough. Now, yeah. the other, the other thing too, and, and something I've, I've been trying to do better and, and really challenging myself, but um, asking questions that are kind of open-ended, right? Yeah. Not, not so much yes or no questions. And then also like, you know, I was told a long time ago by a radio friend um, that listening is a skill and it takes work to really listen and understand and comprehend stuff. And so I, I, I don't know if that, did that come naturally to you? Is it, or, I mean, you have a journalism background, so I think probably asking kind of good educated questions, or at least, you know, being able to ask something that's interesting is maybe something that was taught to you already. Yeah, that was something that I think I was fortunate to have coming in, kind of knowing some of those things that if you didn't have that education, you may need to learn it. Uh, but it doesn't mean I haven't still tried to learn more as I go. And I feel like there's always opportunities to to be better you know, at what you do. But no, I think uh, that's, I mean, it is huge to be able to throw out the open-ended questions. I think also trying to really make it feel more conversational. So that's where that listening comes into play. So you can hear what their answer is. And, and then there's a follow-up opportunity, making sure you're not missing that. Because as a listener, you know, you're thinking about, well, what are, what are my listeners hearing? I want to make sure I don't miss a window of an opportunity to have said, well, you know, why didn't this person ask this question? Next? That was the obvious question because you want to fire down your list of questions. Um, the other big tip that I figured out, you know, probably even more recently in the last few years was, you know, for us, unlike say a podcast like this, you, you've got a longer window of time to have a conversation. We typically, a long interview for us is about 15 to 20 minutes. 20 yeah. Minutes you're doing max. segments. Yeah. Yeah. So you get someone like Davis Love on and, there are a lot of questions you want to be able to, to talk through. I mean, you could talk through an amazing career that he's had, but you only get 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So what do you do? The thing I did learn there is that the key is making sure you ask the most important question. What is that going to be? And then that yeah. has to be it. So you build your interview around, if I only get one question, what is that? I've got to make sure I get that in. And then you build, you know, what's the next important question. Uh, and then if you can work in sidebar conversation and other stuff. Great. But, but you can't miss whatever that is. And, and that sometimes can, can happen, especially if, even if your guest derails you or, or what. Right. So. right. Are you, so, <laughs> Which has happened. So that's pretty, you're, that's pretty impressive that you just decided that one day you're going to, you wanted to do this and you, are you kind of, are you a risk taker or are you entrepreneurial by just spirit? Like, was this something that you were just, you were, kind of naturally inclined to do is, is take these sort of chances? I think so. You know, I, I was fortunate to grow up in a home where, uh, you know, I have two parents who both owned businesses, my mom, but my mom was also just mm. a very career driven person. Um, so I think she set a really good example. I think also, so, you know, interestingly enough, right out of college, I didn't go into journalism right away. I had been working, I had gotten a job offer before college working at a company that's now AT&T Wireless. And what was interesting, I think, working there, so right after college when I realized like, oh, I'm not really going to make a lot of money (laughs) once I graduate. (laughs) I'm actually going to take a demotion and pay if I move over to journalism. So they actually offered me a job after school uh, going into corporate sales. And so I think that um, what was interesting to me about that period of time, and I was there for in total more than a decade, 
But that period of time working in an industry that was ever evolving and changing, you kind of just learned this habit of staying in front of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Every few months, you knew that if you weren't thinking about the next product or the next uh, thing that was going to be, you know, kind of moving or shaking the industry, you just weren't, you were going to be behind. And I think that mindset, there were a lot of people, I think that struggle with adapting to change. And I think having that exposure early on in my career, it's just a natural way, I think. Um, And I think also I'm just one of those people that I genuinely love to solve problems. And so I will typically be doing that. I'll usually see something and go, oh, you know, maybe tweak this or do this. And, and, you know, it's, I think I just naturally do have a pretty solid business mind, which is nice. It's a nice thing to be able to, to bring into, I guess, anything you do, but yeah, it's, um, it's been my thing. And sometimes I wish it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's a curse as much as it is a blessing, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, But uh, you gotta be who you are. So. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. I never, so I grew up in, or I grew up my, my, my first jobs. It's funny. So I started out as a, as a journalism major too. And, um, and I can't remember, I'm sure it was pay oriented, but I changed majors at some point and, (laughs) and started studying kind of the, um, like, uh, more, you know, it was, it was late nineties. So it was kind of uh, that dot com, um, yeah. you know, drive. And I was like, Oh, I'll just go and do that. And so I had this, you know, technical degree and, um, and yes, yeah, as, as things start to change and the same sort of thing, when you're presented with a problem and then, you know, you actually are able to solve it, it creates this, um, this newfound confidence in yourself. Like, man, I can do anything, you know, and you just kind of start to, you start to branch out a little bit. Like, yeah, you can, no, I, and trust me. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big thinker. So sometimes I, I wish I could turn it off, but no, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things I think since I've enjoyed, um, I've, a, I mean, I've, I've had a very interesting career path. I will say what was really cool though about that first job that I had and, and going into corporate sales, I always knew that one thing, whether, you know, whether I was in media or not, that I needed to be able to have time to play golf. Like that was part of it. <laughs> Like I remember my mom saying like, that's part of your job description. Like, yeah, I have to have time for that. So what was great is that working with corporate clients, you know, I got to go play in tournaments a lot. I was able to take them out. This company was big enough that they were also, you know, they were take clients to Sonics games and Mariners games. And, you know, they were always good seats or suites and it was just part of what we did. And then I also wrote for the company newsletter. I did, you know, corporate training videos. So I was able to dabble still in the media. But yeah. I mean, it was not a bad gig at all. So uh, I, uh, I have no complaints about you know how <laughs> my career, career started at all. So, so were you raised to be just a sports crazed human being? Was it kind <laughs> I, of know, ingrained in you early? I, you know, I, I think so in the sense that it was just the way our, our family bonded. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we were a football home on Sundays. That was absolutely what we did. And literally all day. So every game we were watching, you know, from dusk to dawn, it was just what Mm -hmm. it was. And then um, I want to say, or dawn to dusk, I should say, um, I want to say that, uh, you know, my grandfather, my mom's side of the family is originally from England. He's a huge soccer fan. And so, you know, I ended up playing soccer in college. It was just for me, you know, it, it was the way that soccer was the way I bonded with him. Um, 
we'd also go play a lot of pool, usually in bars at, at uh, once I got old enough, but um, <laughs> there's that. But, uh, you know, and then my mom, um, I think my mom as well, you know, she's always been a big sportsman. So it was just one of the, the, the thing we did to kind of bond as a family. I was probably the one that played sports more. I think they did. They were all better at watching. Okay. So in that sense, I don't know how that, you know, how I ended up getting the, uh, that end of the deal. But, um, but no, I, I think by nature, yeah, it's just something I love. And then of course, you know, living here, I've just become, I mean, I'm a lifelong, you know, Mariner, Seahawk, Sonic, you know, a fan. So it's just, it is what, it's just what you do. And I do appreciate yeah. this. I remember years ago, my grandfather, cause I had originally, I was originally born in, and raised in Southern California. We moved up here when I was in high school. And I oh, remember okay. when we moved, he said, you know, I was trying to figure out the sports teams I was supporting. He's like, look, you got to pick a team and you got to stick with them. That's just what <laughs> it is. Like you can't be, <laughs> you can't be picking teams based on who's seasonally doing well. And I remember when he said that, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. And he's like, you'll appreciate it more when the teams don't do well. It'll, it'll be tough, but you'll appreciate it more when they win. So um, that is one thing I also appreciate. So. Yeah. As a Cubs fan, I can relate to that. Because <laughs> man, did we go through some down times? But right? We got our I mean, one. We got our one, man. I can't believe it. We got our one. Well, Mariners <laughs> are still waiting for our. <laughs> That's true. Right? That's true. Yeah, I think we're the only team left. <laughs> At least on the expansion. Yeah, we, I think we might be. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so so how did golf work its way into your sports passion? So I actually was introduced to golf um, and I am the only one in my family that, that, that plays. So I really am a fish out of water in that sense. I actually was taught by my high school boyfriend the summer before my high school or my senior year of college. He, um, he was just a really good athlete. I mean, he, you know, he taught me to ski, taught me to, I mean, I, up until that point, I played volleyball, I ran, um, but he taught me to play tennis. I ended up playing tennis my senior year of high school, taught me to play soccer, ended up walking on in college. Um, he taught me to play golf. And he was just one of those guys, like really talented athlete, but also just really good at teaching. And I mm -hmm. always laugh at people who are like, oh yeah, my husband's going to teach me how to play. And it's like golf. And it's like, okay, well, good luck with that because <laughs> it rarely, it rarely works. Right. right. But having someone, you know, I was, I was lucky and he, you know, he taught me, taught me the game, taught me a beautiful swing, which I love. And, uh, you know, it just stuck with me. And it's crazy because the first, I remember one of the first times we ever went out to, you know, I probably a driving range or something, but I just remember thinking like, Oh, this is so cool. I can play this until I'm like 97 and mm -hmm. a weird thing to think when you're a teenager. But I remember thinking like when, if there's nothing else I can do in life, this is something I can do forever. And I just really loved it. That's really interesting that I've, I mean, that's gotta be a pretty rare occurrence that one, a high school boy would even kind of have, <laughs> he must've really liked you because to have the patience <laughs> To bring his girlfriend yeah. to the range, like one, he really wanted to spend time with you, and two, like he's teaching you how to play golf. Like, wow! I, right? I guess I never looked at it like that. But knowing what I know now, yes, he must have really loved me. So. <laughs> um, no, I mean, and I, I mean, I think I'm probably one of those people. Like, if you get to know me, I'm probably more one of the guys when it comes to stuff like sports. So hopefully, I didn't make it too difficult. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly appreciative and I just loved it. And it was funny because my, you know, that first summer of playing, I ended up playing a lot of golf. It was it, some of it here, but I ended up in Montana that summer before my senior year. So I was playing all these just 
little munis for like 10, 15 bucks, you know, 18 holes in the summertime outside of Missoula. And I just absolutely loved it. And, uh, you know, it's crazy how you can just fall in love with a game like that, but I just knew right away. So that's crazy. Yeah. What were you doing in Montana? What well, his, Montana? <laughs> his family was actually, yeah, his family, our families became very close and his family was building this amazing home um, in a town called Stevensville. And so as they were building it, there were just a lot of us opportunities for us to go over there while they were building. And it was just something to do. So we'd go fishing, we'd go hiking and, and we okay. play golf. Yeah. Wow. Are they, are you still in touch with him at all or? Has, has, uh, no, I mean, we've moved on, but he's, okay. he's amazing. And I'm sure he's like the most incredible dad and, you know, great husband, but yeah. I mean, so. he, he basically launched your career inadvertently. <laughs> I, I need mean, to thank him. I know. Yeah. Right. So no, uh, <laughs> my so, husband would say, can we stop talking about your ex? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about him. Does he play? No, he does. He does. does. He? And okay. that, that was actually a prerequisite because I did date someone for a while that did not play. Not only did he not play, but he hated golf. Like just like the concept of the idea. Don't, I don't want to see it on the TV. So I knew that the next guy or anybody after would have to be a golfer. And so my husband plays and he's good. Oh so God. I appreciate that. You're like a, I mean, what a selling point. That's you're like I, the I know, dream right? life. Like, no, you have to, you have to like golf. Like, yeah, oh, we're not okay. talking unless you play. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, it's, I mean, there's too much to pass. Up. I mean, being able to take vacations and we've done that a lot now, you know, have that opportunity. I'm also the wife that'll kick him out of the house and be like, okay, can you go play around or sit around <laughs> and golf with your buddies? I need some space. So in that sense, I mean, and he'll never get a fight from me. It's like, oh, you want to go buy a new set of clubs? Go for it. You know? That's, right. So in that sense, I feel like, we're good, but you got to be on the same page with that one for sure. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Otherwise life can be really uncomfortable and difficult. Right. Thankfully, right. I don't know, I don't know what or who I paid or what penance I paid in a previous life, but like my wife is the most understanding and patient human being I've ever met. And oh, it certainly that. comes that way when it's, when it comes to golf, I can't believe how supportive she is about my stupid obsession, including this You're podcast and everything ones. else. Oh, am I <laughs> yeah. ever? Am I ever? Um, so why do you think, I always like to ask this too, why, why do you think the game grabbed you? I mean, you obviously played other sports, and um, but something about golf sort of seemed to, to jump out at you. What, what was it back then? You know, I think that for one, I think it was just probably the, how beautiful it was. I mean, being able to be on a course and, and even if it was just a, you know, a crappy muni in the middle of nowhere. I, there's just something amazing about just being in, in nature. I think that first of all, I just have always appreciated architecture and the beauty of the game. I think that the ability to play with people and just, I, I think it's easily the time that you can just spend out um, playing people all different ages. I mean, so my regular group of, of golf buddies, they're two 60 something year olds and an 80 something year old. I mean, that's, that's oh, just, wow. uh, <laughs> And I've yeah. been doing that for years. So like, I don't know why I'm drawn to 60 something year old men playing golf. Um, but, uh, um, but no, I think that um, I think just the ability that you can play with different generations. And I think just, it's just, it's probably the conversation. There's the, the competition. I think there's this own personal challenge. I, I you know, I, I have days where my game is great and other days where I, I don't know what in the heck's going on, but um, uh, I don't know. I just think there's some, there, 
probably first and foremost, just the, I think the, the connection and the time with people always feels good, but, um, I just love being out on a course and, and I, I don't, I can't think of any place I'd rather be. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, uh, you know, I've loved other sports. I love playing soccer. I, uh, you know, I've played a lot of sports. I love running. That's probably another reason why I do love running, but I, hmm. um, it, there's something just amazing about being out on a golf course. I don't know. Yeah. I have, I have a feeling just, just through our, you know, from our little half hour conversation here so far that there's something to the effect of, um, the personal challenge. It seems like you enjoy that kind of thing and embrace it. And I think golf kind of, you know, scratches that itch for you even, you know, just as much as your, uh, personal endeavors professionally or whatever it may be, something about that, that personal challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think too, I mean, it's never the same game every day. I mean, even if, yeah. whether you're playing the same course, you know, you've got different weather conditions, um, you know, you yourself are, may not show up the same way you did the day before or, uh, you know, but I think um, I'm, a, I love to travel. And so I think being able to experience different courses, I just think there's something amazing about how, um, yeah, I mean, you, you just, you don't know what you're going to get. Um in terms of just the conditions and um, how you'll show up. And I think that there's something really interesting and, and, and fun and sometimes a, a, a pain, but it, yeah. you know, it all works. I mean, there's certainly been times I'm like, okay, this is the last time these clubs are going to be used, but, um, <laughs> but more often than not, I, I absolutely love the game. So it's uh it's been good. That's awesome. Yeah. There's something I've said, I've said it before about, um, about golf where, you can play with complete strangers. Um, but like just the game, just the fact that you're out together is this weird bonding thing that you don't get from other sports. You know, like I'll be playing with a total stranger. I just met this person not five minutes ago. And, you know, the first tee I'm rooting for him or her to, to play well and to hit yeah. good shots. And, you know, it's like you enjoy their successes as much as any other as much as your own. And I don't, I've never, I played every sport probably you could imagine. And I've never really gotten that from, from someone that's not like on my team. Right. But it's like yeah. this really cool thing about this game. Yeah, I think that is true. There are very few sports where I think if you go out and play, you know, a, a pickup game or you're playing with people you don't know, you don't know who, who's showing up and how. And I feel like I've, I've gone out, I can't even count how many times I've played with people I don't know. And it's just, it's always just such a, a good time. I mean, it, it's, it's actually really nice and it's surprising that, that yeah. people can be that easy. I mean, maybe it's, you know, maybe that's credit to the game and the fact that, you know, the rules and the manners and <laughs> just kind right, of you right. need to be. whatever it but is it about is, it. Yeah. Just like breaks down all these other barriers that you may have if you met them on the street. Right. It's yeah. Like it's a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. So no, cool. it's a, that's good. Yeah. So you've had on the, on your golf show, Quite a few. You mentioned Davis Love the Third. Um, have you had some some favorite guests over the past eight years now that that uh, you've spoken to for, that that kind of surprised you? Um, let's see. I mean, yes, I've had favorite guests for sure. I mean, I so I've had Billy Casper on, um, Lee Elder. I think anytime you have a chance to talk to kind of some, some of the guys from the older generation and, and just what they bring the story. I mean, the, the storytelling is just always amazing. Um, I had a really good conversation with Mark Halkovecchia and that was nice. Um, because I've actually been told sometimes you don't know what you'll get from him in terms of an interview. And I thought he was really 
really fantastic. I really liked talking with him. Um, uh, Joel Damon is always a really good oh, interview. Yeah. 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 And, I listened uh, to that, so, that little snippet on the, on the website. That's a fun yeah. One. Yeah. He's great. Um, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, Annika, um, talked to, uh, Jan Stevenson right after she found out she was going to be inducted to the, uh, world golf hall of fame. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody who surprised me. Um, Probably it, my co-host is probably always the one I have to worry most about um, <laughs> things, <laughs> throwing wrench and things, but um, no, I mean, for the most part, it's been pretty good. I mean, I think we, our guests, have, they come on knowing that we, you know, we try to have fun with them. And, and I think that, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, th- I think for the most part, I wish I had a more exciting, dramatic answer. Um, <laughs> That's all right. I, yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm going to interview John Elway. Um, Don James, the coach of the Huskies before, um, you know, uh, I've had a chance. I mean, just a lot of people we've had I, over the years. It's hard to even wrap my, my brain around it. I think it's always fun when you can catch moments when people have just had these incredible experiences like Mary Lou Muffler, who just, who had just won for Washington, the national championship, um, collegiate championship. So, I mean, those kinds of moments are always special. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, most part, people have been good, which now means that I'm going to end up getting someone. Yeah, right. Up. Someone's going to hear us and be like, "Oh, thanks for not saying uh, me." Appreciate yeah, we're going to. I just, yeah. I just set you up. I'm sorry. Um, isn't it funny? <laughs> you, you, you mentioned John Elway. I find it um, fascinating how many sort of, I don't know, what you want to call it like non-golfers play golf. You know, these mm-hmm. these athletes like John Elway or Steph Curry. Um, you know, we have a couple of Chicago bears that have since retired, like Kyle Long and, um, and guys like that, that have really started to pick up the game. Now, I guess they have time on their hands, but it seems like they, for whatever reason, these, some of these guys just become obsessed with this game. And it's just, to me, it's, it's this fascinating thing to me. I don't, I don't know. Um, I always want to try to get them on because if it's, if it's some sort of, like just fulfilling a competitive juice or if it's something they always wanted to do, but didn't have time. I don't know. Did you, did, is John Elway, like, did you guys get to talk about that? Like how he exactly, you know, started playing the game? Oh, that was a while ago. I'm trying to think of what, um, and we actually caught him. I think he was at, um, what was it? The, the tournament was just out on in Tahoe. Oh we yeah. caught him during a break. So it was a, it was a, probably a fairly quick, I actually feel bad. We had, we had, oh, I don't even want to get into that. We, we'd been interviewing <laughs> someone and, and my guest, my co-host said mid, mid interview, we had someone else on the show and he's like, oh, we've got John Elway on now. So we have to cut over. He said it out loud. Isn't that like a producer should have just said like, Hey, wrap it up or something. Let's just put it this way. We've grown a lot since then um, as a show, but yeah, so that happened. And uh, you know, poor guy. I will, and, I, and then later on I felt bad because the guy we were interviewing, I said, well, at least, you know, it was John Elway. It wasn't, you know, right. It could have been someone, it, I don't know. Anyway. So um, I don't know, really but funny. you know what you make, you, <laughs> you make a good point though about that. And I do think it's, I mean, what's amazing to me is the level of talent they have, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to, and, and, and even just watching the match and, you know, for that moment, for that first half and well, most of the first, the front nine watching Tom Brady kind of struggle. It was like, okay, good. He's human. And right? I know he's, <laughs> I, know. I know he's supposed to be a good golfer, but it's kind of nice seeing that he's not. It's, um, 
but it's just amazing to me that the, the, the skill level they all bring. And, uh, you know, one of the questions people always ask me is, you know, who my dream foursome would be, uh, golf foursome. And, you know, the answer is Larry David, Charles Barkley, and then one of my, a dear friend of mine who's passed away, but he's funny and he'd be a great addition to the group. So, but it's, you know, two non-golfers. These are the guys yeah. I play with. So. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be one of the most fun rounds you could ever have. Right. Larry David and Charles Barkley together would be amazing on a golf course. I know. I know. They, so. First of all, you'd never have a quiet moment. I don't know. I think both of those guys have to have to talk in order to breathe, really. Right. But just having them go back and forth just would be fantastic. I yeah. So no, I that would uh, one day that will be. Uh, I don't think I'd, I have not been starstruck before, but I think if I met Larry David, that would be my moment. So I think it, kind of a little bit of a secret crush there, but yeah, I think that would be. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> apparently again a sixty-year-old golfer <laughs> male. <laughs> right? That right. fits all. The, Checks all the boxes for you. <laughs> oh, don't tell my husband. Oh, good. <laughs> Have you? Do you get to go out and play like the celebrity circuit? Um, we have tournaments here and I get or events that come here and I have a chance to participate in that stuff. But a lot of the stuff, you know, if I'm staying here in the Northwest, I, I get to do, you know, I've been invited for the pro-ams and stuff. We've got the Boeing Classic is a champions tour event that's at mm -hmm. Snoqualmie Ridge every year. And, and they do kind of a nice, um, I guess, friendly or guest day where you, you get a lot of bigger names from this market that will typically participate a lot of Seahawks and otherwise, um, and they actually do a Seahawks from both the ridges there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there are opportunities, but I'm not traveling and, and doing any of that stuff yet. Um, Got it. But here's the thing. There's a lot of good golf in the Pacific Northwest. So There's a lot of good golf in the Pacific Northwest. And I, I, I didn't start playing golf until much later in life. So when I was traveling to the Pacific Northwest, um, I didn't take advantage of it. And now, it, I mean, it's just another excuse to go back. Yeah. But like oh, yeah. the more and more I get kind of, um, you know, I, I read all this stuff online and, and I don't know if you know, um, Tony Deer who writes for Lynx magazine, oh, yeah. he, he lives out there. Um, yeah. and he writes a bunch of stuff and he's really like, he, he just, I feel like he writes just for me because he points <laughs> out all these great courses out there. I'm like, oh my, like some of the courses, like if you're on, you're on a fairway and you're staring at, you know, Mount Rainier, it's, it's, it's yeah. incredible. I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. Well, and we have, I mean, it's just so lush out here. So you've got, you know, you've got lakes, you've got mountains, you've got trees and it's just, it's just so beautiful. I feel bad that, you know, the U S open when it was at Chambers Bay, it just, it didn't get a good look the way it normally is. I mean, it's never 90 degrees in June right. here. Right. So that was not good. Um, you know, the fact that the, the fescue and they've since now changed it out to POA, but the, the green's not really looking as good. I mean, that course normally though, is just, it is so amazing. So, you know, we've got Chambers Bay. My favorite course in Washington is uh, called Gamble Sands. And it's, oh, yeah. um, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. Okay. David McClay kid course. So yeah. I yeah. love that course. Um, obviously, you know, you've got wine Valley, which is in Walla Walla. Um, and then, you know, we're only what, seven hours from Bandon dunes. And so, you know, that's amazing. I actually just got, had a chance to go out and uh, play on opening day uh, at Cheap Ranch, which is Oh, you amazing. did? I did, oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was, I, uh, that I got, was a moment. I need a, I need a radio show. I got to get a radio <laughs> show. <laughs> 
Oh, so tell me, tell me everything. Tell me all about it. What, I mean, I, I'm, I'm so, I just looking at the pictures, it just looks like it's on another planet. It looks so amazing. Yeah, no, it is, it is truly, truly one of the most spectacular. Well, first of all, abandoned dunes. Have you been to the resort itself? I haven't. I haven't. No. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but what I love about Cheap Ranch is that it really is, it just starts off so beautifully. I mean, you've got this, uh, this kind of dog leg left. It's a little hidden as you, as you tee off, you're teeing off kind of not knowing what you're going to see. But once you get kind of around the corner, you just, it opens up to this just beautiful view of the ocean and it's just absolutely incredible. You've got, um, nine holes along the water, uh, it's windy as heck um, in yeah. a way that's different than some of the other courses. Um, and in a way, you know, like one of my favorite uh, holes, I want to say it was number 11. It's not even on the ocean side. It's probably one of the more inland holes. It's just beautifully laid out. So it's, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, you kind of, you see a lot of everything. I mean, at one, you can probably stand at any point and see most of the holes. So it's kind of almost wow. strange op- open concept, but yeah. no bunkers. Uh, although I'll tell you, you'll still be challenged even without that. Um, but it's just, they do, they do it right, uh, at Bandon Dunes and Sheep Ranch. Absolutely. It was just, it's a beautiful addition. I probably rank it two, number two after Pacific still, but I okay. think it's still absolutely, it's a, it's a wonderful add to, uh, to an already amazing place. Are you, are you a big golf architect nerd? Are you, are you, I mean, are too, you... I, I appreciate it. I've talked to a lot of architects. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I have. I'm just kind of like, I'm just beginning to learn about architecture. I don't know. I've asked this question before, but um, I feel like it's part of uh, a golfer's progression or like maturity almost right. to start recognizing architecture as a as a part of the game. Yeah, I, I will say this. I appreciate it. Now, do I understand the ins and outs and all the details, but if they, if, if someone wants to sit and explain to me how they came away with the design concept, I am just, I'm blown away. I'm blown away that their minds can go there and that they can just yeah. take kind of a blank canvas and build something so amazing. And I've had wonderful conversations with people, you know, Trent Jones and Trent, Trent Jones Jr. Um, uh, actually just recently had Paul Stringer on who is heads Nicholas design for Jack Nicholas companies. Mm-hmm. He's actually originally from here, obviously spoken with David McClay kid. I, it just, the list goes on and on. And I just, I'm so impressed by that mind. And so, yeah, I mean that, that to me would be just an amazing job to have. Um, <laughs> I don't even, I, you know, <laughs> but I can't fully wrap my head around it, but I can certainly appreciate what it is and, and, yeah. and what they, how they think. So. Yeah. Talk about just a, a, a different way that the brain works in those people than us commoners, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And thank goodness for them because they, they just create such artistry, you know, with they land. Do. It's amazing. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Well, right, I was well, going to this... say, Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you want no, to go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say one of my favorite conversations was with David McClay kid after he opened Gamble Sands. One of the things that he had, talked about was just the design, how designing now, he's all about designing for the everyday person and being able to enjoy golf. Whereas for years they were trying to build courses for guys like Tiger Woods. Right. Really, you know, there were only so many (laughs) Tiger Woods out there. And so I, you know, one of the things I've appreciated is just even understanding how they think about 
making golf more enjoyable. And I think he's done a really good job in that space. Yeah. I get to play. Um, have you been, have you, have you done any of the Midwest courses? No, like not, not Sand the way, Valley no. or any of that stuff? Not yet. Yeah. I get my, my first shot at Sand Valley in uh, late August. Cr- fingers crossed um, oh. that they don't lock us down again or anything like that. But yeah, we'll get out there and um, yeah, I mean, that that's a great point. Imagine trying to design something that is for, you know, a tw- that is just as enjoyable for a 20 handicap and a sc- scratch. Right. Like right. that I is mean, what just, a challenge, like, right? Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I, I hope you get that round in. I actually have a trip scheduled on September 11th. I have a tea time at St. Andrews, the old course. Do you really? <laughs> I do. Oh, I don't man. think it's going to happen though. Yeah. I can't yeah. quarantine for 14 days. So yeah. And I think, um, are they even allowing Americans in yet? Well, that's the other point. I mean, I don't even know. What, I, I'm yeah. trying to not pay attention to just be reminded, but at pretty soon know that it's probably just going to have to be postponed. So, yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. I, if these are the things I'm complaining about, I'm probably doing pretty well, but it was, you know, I'm excited to have that round. And I think everybody, have you had a chance yeah. to play there yet? I haven't been able to play overseas other than like, you know, the Caribbean and Mexico. I haven't gotten to play in Europe at all. Okay. Well, and, th- and those aren't bad places either though. Caribbean no, Mexico, those so. are, those are quite nice. I don't know. <laughs> I don't mind playing there, but right. yeah, yeah. I, I would, I definitely want to go and make the run at uh, those Scotland courses and, and get yeah. my, uh, get my fill someday. Yeah. Hopefully. Someday. All right. All right. Well, this is fun. You're, you're great. I like you. Uh, well, thank you. You're, you're all right. <laughs> You're delightful. This is a fun right. conversation. Yeah. I'm going to make that my quote. I'm going to put that on my Twitter bio. You're right. Says Chris. That's right. That's right. Appreciate it. But thanks again. So they can, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, so just Sean Crew, S-H-O-N-C-R-E-W-E. Okay. Fair enough. And 710golf.com is the, is the website. You can go and listen to some of the stuff um, from the radio show. And I can't, I don't think I can get it here, the actual radio show. I have to go online and get it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to, I think nowadays, you know, with uh, technology and stuff, I think you can go on to like it's sites like TuneIn and other apps oh, where it? you can actually stream in shows live. So if you ever wanted to catch it, we're on 9 a.m. Uh, on Saturdays on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, so there's a way to catch the whole show, but we've got our featured interviews, some of them on the uh, 710 golf site. So yeah, that's where I was listening mostly. Do you guys take yeah. do you guys take callers? Sometimes depends okay. on the day. Maybe I'll week. drop in just to say hi. Yeah, just well, to t- hey, if you, you can, we'll, we'll we welcome you anytime. <laughs> <laughs> great. All right, Sean, this is great. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. So that is Sean Crew. Just a wonderful human being. And uh, she is great. She really is. And I just, she's got great perspective about things. And it's so true. You know, if I get it. It's all, re- it's all relative. But if the worst thing that is happening to you or me or Sean is that we can't play a golf course that we really wanted to play this year, I think we're doing okay. And I just, I'll have to remind myself that sometimes because some, it's, Things can be very aggravating and overwhelming these days and very worrisome. But at the end of the day, everything's all right. But that was a fun conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. You know, something I have to work on and I realize I I, I have to do better 
is I need to get more women on this show. I haven't done a great job, but every time I have one on the show, they are fantastic and they're thoughtful and they love the game just as much as you and I do as men. And probably, you know, in some cases they've, they've gone through more than, than we have, you know, to enjoy this game. So, and they've had to deal with very different things than we have. So I need to make a point of that and I'm going to do that starting now. But anyways, that's the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. And as I always do, here's my call to action. Subscribe to the show, rate it, leave a review. You can find me on Twitter at Chris McEwen. Um, and you can actually, you know, if you, if you follow me on there, or even if you don't, um, you can send me a DM and ask to be on the show and I will have you on the show. I'd be happy to, to hear your golf origin story. And, and don't worry if, if you don't think it's interesting, it's relatable to someone out there and someone will enjoy it. And to me, that's worth having you on and, and telling it. If nothing else, you're putting it on record and your family can listen to it and your friends can listen to it and you can brag about being on a podcast. So there's always that. You can also go to chrismcuen.com. I have a form on there where you can send me a note as well if you're not on Twitter. But um, yeah, that's it. So everybody, enjoy the PGA Championship this week. We've got ourselves a major. Golf is, is, is in full force i feel like it's great to see it on television and it's going to be a west coast broadcast which is even better for us in the midwest and the east because we can go and play golf and screw around most of the day and then sit down and, and watch golf after we've done everything that we need to do so i'm looking forward to that but otherwise i'm going to leave you with one of sean's favorite songs one of my favorite songs from one of our favorite bands, Pearl Jam, live from Wrigley Field. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>